is covered with ice. So those of you that made it are going to get blessed for coming. Amen. Sometimes when I'm up here, I feel like a kind of like a spiritual cheerleader to exhort you, get you up, get you excited about the Lord. Today, I kind of feel like a surgeon and I'm going to, I'm going to administer the word and do a little bit of surgery on your soul. And of course I had to study it before I got to preach it. So surgery already happened in me. We've been talking about disarming giants in the last few weeks. The first week disarming the giant of anxiety. Second week disarming the giant of offense. And today I want to talk to you about disarming the giant of anger. Now I know none of you ever get angry, but you can get the CD and take it to somebody. That's a joke, son. So let's read what the Bible says about anger. It has a lot to say about it. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter four. This is Paul talking not to lost people, but to the church of Jesus Christ. He says, be angry, yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let all bitterness, let's read this together, can we? This is to the church people. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's to the house of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us a clear word on this issue of anger. And I pray that you will help me to rightly divide this word today and that it will go into the heart and soul of every person here everyone listening by radio, everybody watching on internet, that the Spirit of God will do merciful, compassionate surgery today. And Lord, even though we know you're going to meddle with our stuff, you're going to set us free from that spirit of anger today. Now, can you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't be mad. Be glad. Amen. The Goliath of anger, the giant of anger, has destroyed so many lives. We have to understand the, the gravity of this issue. It is a giant the giant of anger, if we don't learn to disarm it, anger gets a hold of Christians like it does anybody else. And if we don't learn to disarm it, it can absolutely devastate a marriage. It can separate children from parents, parents from children, and it will poison key relationships. This whole issue of anger. Our prisons, if you've ever done prison ministry, you know that our prisons are full of people who had an anger issue. And because of their anger, they're in prison. They did something, said something that got them in all kinds of trouble. They did not have control over their emotions. And anger got them. Anger, if you don't deal with anger, anger will deal with you. We live today, no doubt about it, in an angry nation. In an angry world. Our world is a seething cauldron of anger. I mean, it's everywhere. Just watch the news. No, don't watch the news. If you were to watch the news, you would see 
It's just an angry world. People are angry, period, just mad, mad at others, mad at real or imagined mistreatment, uh, angry at life. And you know what? There's a lot of people who are walking around angry at God. He didn't do what I thought he would, when I thought he would, the way I thought he should. And I'm just angry. I'm ticked at life. I'm ticked at people, ticked at life, ticked at myself, ticked at God. I'm angry. I'm just an angry person. And you know what? Anger can be that one thing that defines you if you don't get it out of your life. You you can become known as an angry man or an angry woman. And you know what? That's not God's will for you and me. God doesn't want you and I to live under the tyranny of anger. As a matter of fact, I want you to say with me, I don't have to be mad. And let's say it like we really mean it. Play like you're preaching to me. Are you ready? We don't have to be mad. Let's try it one more time. I don't have to be mad. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have to be mad. See, if you come to church here, you get to preach here. Now, let me just look at this, this whole issue of anger. First, what is anger? Let me give you a simple definition. Anger is a strong emotion of intense displeasure, hostility, or indignation that is caused when a person has been offended wronged or denied. And they get angry. And you know, the Bible is very clear that there's a good anger and there's a bad anger. There is a good anger. There is righteous indignation. Indignation is what God experiences when God's angry. When God gets angry, it's righteous indignation. And I believe that if you're a child of God, you really can't go through a week in this culture without experiencing a little bit of righteous indignation. I wake up, uh, I think virtually every day, I experience some righteous indignation at some things. And I don't believe that it's a sin. I believe that it is what God is angry about. I wake up every day indignant about abortion. Now, just to give you an example, just the unfairness of it, the inequity of it, the, the way our culture, against all evidence and all proof, continues to perpetrate that crime. You know, we, we, we swallow just falsities, uh, things that we're told about the whole abortion issue, that it's all about a woman's health. It has nothing. Rarely, a tiny percentage it has to do with a woman's health. It has nothing to do with a woman's health. It has to do with, I don't want this baby. And so I'm going to take this baby. And I, and I wake up and, and I get indignant about that. Now, Is that a sin? No, that's not a sin because I believe God's indignant about it. The Bible talks about the slaughter of innocents. And I believe God's indignant. So there's nothing wrong with being righteously indignant. But then there's wrong anger. And the Bible says that wrong anger is a sin. And it's a work of the flesh. It's not a demon spirit. It's a work of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 20 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are... Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, first four are sexual in nature. And then idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of anger. So anger is a work of the fallen flesh. It is not of God. As a matter of fact, James said, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
if you and I want to please God, we won't walk around in an angry spirit. But I've got good news for you. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he also didn't give us a spirit of anger. What does he give us? He gave us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And that phrase, sound mind, means self-control. God has given us the spirit of love, power, and self-control. That I would not lose control and throw a fit and lose my temper, but I would have self-control. That's what God gave us. Now, anger has several triggers. You'll recognize these. Not getting your way. That begins at about six months old. Mine. Not getting your way. That's mine. You don't get your way. When we don't get our way, we get angry. Who are you to, to invade my space and tell me what I can't do? I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Get out of my way. And when we can't do it, we get angry. Feeling rejected. How come I can't be a part of your group? Why are you ostracizing me? What is it about me you don't like? Why are you rejecting me? We get angry. It's, it's anger causing. Loss. We lose something. We lose something of real value to us. It could be a person. We lose a spouse. Lose a child. Lose a thing. Something we love. A material thing. Lose a job. Something happens. And we get angry. And we deal with that anger. Disappointment. <clears throat> That's a huge one. Disappointment, disillusionment. Boy, I just knew I was going to do this and that and that. And I thought my life was going to go this way and that way. But it didn't. And I'm disillusioned. And truth be known, I'm mad about it. I feel like I got the raw end of the deal. And I'm, I'm disappointed. Makes you angry. Book of Proverbs has a lot to say about anger because anger is a huge issue. Real important issue. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Now I want you to think about what that said. <clears throat> if you rule your spirit, you are mightier than a man that walks into a city and conquers it single-handedly. If you can rule your emotions, rule your spirit, not give in to a fit of rage. That person may feel upset, but they control their emotions rather than letting anger turn into rage. Then another proverb, do you know that we're warned not to associate with people whose lives are characterized by anger? Don't make a friend who is angry all the time. Did you know the Bible says that? Don't befriend, Proverbs twenty two twenty four. don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. Why? Or you will learn. Now, that's the operative word right there. You will learn to be like them and endanger your own soul. So anger, an anger problem is dangerous to your soul. And watch that. It's learned. We aren't born angry. We learn to respond to the adversities of life in anger. It's a learned response. So the good news is if you learned it, you can unlearn it. Amen? I was just thinking how anger played a very destructive role in a lot of the lives of the characters of the Bible, some of the Bible heroes. The first person that got angry, I believe, was Adam. See, how do you know Adam got mad? Because when God came looking for them after they fell and said, Adam, what have you done? He pointed to the, his wife and said, she did it. 
Everybody, all, all the women say, there's nothing new under the sun. The wife looked around and said, looked at the devil and said, he did it. And the devil looked around and had nobody to blame. <laughs> but here's the bottom line. Adam pointed to his wife in anger and said, because of her, I fell. Blamed her. Cain, Moses, and Saul all committed murder in the heat of anger. You know, Moses is called in the Bible the meekest man on the face of the earth, but he also had an anger problem. When he was young, he killed a man in the heat of anger. He had to flee into the backside of a desert for 40 years to avoid justice. And then later in his older life, he struck the rock out of anger two times instead of speaking to the rock, and he was not allowed to go into the promised land. 40 years on the backside of a desert because of anger. 40 years wandering in the wilderness and then not able to go into the promised land because of anger. 80 years of his life affected by anger. Jonah fled from God's will due to anger. I'm not going to go preach to them. I don't want the Ninevites repenting. I don't like them. So he fled from God in anger. Peter cut off a man's ear in anger. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter said, not if I can help it. He pulled out his sword, cut off the guy's ear in anger. And Jesus looked at him and said, put up the sword. He that lives by the sword will die by the sword. He picked up the guy's ear, put it back on, super glued it, <laughs> healed him. And the guy had arrested him anyway. Let me tell you, if my ear is on the ground and somebody picks it up and puts it on and heals it, I am not arresting them. <laughs> but he did. Now, you and I can experience righteous anger, but most of our anger is of the unrighteous variety. It just is. And it generally takes one of two forms. And let me tell you what those one of two forms are. Let me tell you what they both are. The first kind, I'm going to call it powder keg anger. Powder keg anger. This is the rage kind of anger. It's when you blow your stack. It's when you go into a rage. It's when you lose it. You throw things, you say things, you go nutty. The dogs get under the bed, the cat gets under the couch, the kids go off to their rooms. When you lose your stack, you blow your temper. Anybody in its path is fair game. When you get angry, it's rage, it's powder keg. You've got a, you've got a trigger inside of you, and when somebody pulls that trigger, you go. The Bible has a lot to say about this kind of anger. It spells out a lot of consequences for this kind of anger. Now, I don't want anybody raising their hands, but I'm going to venture to guess that many people in this room have powder keg anger issues. You blow. I want to tell you, I'm not here to condemn you or judge you or point a finger at you. Like I said, I want to do a little bit of Holy Spirit surgery and let the Lord deliver you from this anger today because the good news is, you can be free indeed from this kind of anger. <clears throat> so having said that, let me just give you some of the consequences of powder keg anger. You blow your stack. You go into a rage. You see red. You seethe on the inside. First, the Bible says you're going to make foolish mistakes. With that kind of anger, you're going to say things and do things that you wish you could take back, but you can't take it back. Anymore, you can take back an email. Have you ever sent an email as soon as you hit send, you wish you could take it back? You can't take back an email and you can't take back angry words once they're out. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 17, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. Foolish is a spiritual way of saying stupid. The hot-tempered man does stupid things, says foolish things. Now, here's what people with this kind of anger will tell you. Well, I have red hair. I'm Irish. So it's in my blood. I just lose my temper and it's the way I was born. No, it's not. You were not born that way. You were not born that way. The truth is you've got a short fuse and you've learned to have a short fuse. And maybe you did learn it from your dad or from your grandparents or from your spouse. But the bottom line is you learned it. You weren't born that way because God does not create people to go against his word. You weren't born that way any more than somebody gay was born that way. The truth is we got a short fuse and we're going to make some big mistakes. That's the promise. Now, the second thing that will happen if you've got this kind of a temper, it's going to ruin relationships. Proverbs 15, 18 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. That means the hot-tempered man drives the very people he loves away. He divides. He, he, he drives people away. He causes discord. The hot-tempered man loves people, has a little circle of people that he, that he or she loves, but because of that hot temper that's always blowing, finally people say, I don't want to do this anymore. And they begin to distance themselves from the person with a hot temper. I've seen people with hot tempers reach old age alone and isolated and lonely because they had a temper they never dealt with. They had a giant they never disarmed. The good news is you can disarm this giant, and I'm going to show you how in a minute. But it means if you've got a short fuse, if you're always losing your temper, if you're walking around with a chip on your shoulder, if you're looking for somebody to say something that will irritate you, then you're going to leave behind a trail of hurt feelings and unhappiness every time. We don't want to do that. We want the people we love to draw closer and stay in our orbit, stay with us for fellowship and love and grow old together. That's what we want. We don't want to drive them away. But the Bible says, if you're hot-tempered, you're going to bring dissension. Will Rogers said, when you fly into a rage, you seldom make a safe landing. And he's right. Third, the Bible says, if you have a hot temper, if you've got this kind of an anger or rage issue, you're going to pay a penalty. Proverbs 19, 19 says, hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you have to do it again. You get them out of jail once, you're going to have to get them out of jail again. You go into their home to bring peace to the home that has been divided, you're going to have to do it again until the anger is diffused. We're told every day by doctors that there is a penalty for this kind of anger issue. They say it'll spike your blood pressure. You go into the doctor and he says, man, has your blood pressure always been this high? You say, no, I have no idea why it's so high. Do you know why it's high sometimes? Because you're angry. And that anger is spiking your blood pressure. It makes your heart beat faster. And cemeteries are filled with people who died young because they had an anger issue and it physically, literally killed them. 
Well, I'm going to get this CD, even though everybody's not jumping up and amen at me. Listen, it's so quiet in here, I could drop a pin on a shag carpet and hear it. And I know why, too. Because we all deal with anger, don't we? We all deal with anger issues. So if you've got that rage kind of anger, it needs to be disarmed. That giant needs to be defeated. It's the will of God that you be delivered from that. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And when Jesus said that, he wasn't just talking about himself. He was talking about all the truth that is in the Bible. All the truth that is in the word of God. You will know this truth and this truth will set you free. And I'm sharing with you today the truth of the word of God. And it will set you free. So that's the first kind of bad anger. The second kind, I'm going to call it crockpot anger. Crockpot anger. This is the kind of anger that gets into Christian homes. You know why it's this one? Because we know as Christians, we shouldn't be blowing our stack and going into a rage. So what we do is when we're angry, we suppress it. We put it under the surface. And this crockpot anger is the kind of anger that simmers and boils just under the surface for a long time. You're just an angry person. And the people who know you best know it most. Somebody can say to you, are you angry? No, I'm not angry. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Kumbaya. I'm great. But, but as you get around you, there's something under there. It's boiling. It's seething. You see, the, the person with the rage anger, they're like a volcano that just blasts and blows and the lava comes out and all that red hot anger. But the one with crockpot anger is like the volcano before it blows. It's under the surface. It's simmering underneath. You're just angry. You're mad at life, you're mad at yourself, you're mad at people, you're mad at circumstances, you're mad at something. You're mad in your marriage, you're mad out of your marriage. You're you're just angry. You haven't dealt with the things that are causing you to be angry on the inside. Anger requires a resolution if you're ever going to get over it. And the people who are angry have simply not been honest enough with themselves to go in and say, God doesn't want me living this way. I'm not supposed to be walking around just ticked and mad and playing passive-aggressive games with people and letting my anger come out in all kinds of different ways without losing the perception that I'm spiritual. One of the classic passages that deals with this kind of anger is found in Ephesians 4.26. I want you to listen to this. Be angry because God gave us anger. So be angry. You, you ought to be angry about some things. It's okay. But don't sin. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Now, I want you to catch that. See, this, this goes right to the core of crockpot anger. It says, you should not give anger any longer than a 24-hour shelf life. I mean, good grief. Milk has an expiration date. Eggs have an expiration date. Bread has an expiration date. What about this seething thing called anger? Listen, it's got an expiration date. And the expiration date is 24 hours. Be angry, but don't sin. Let not the sun go down on your anger. And and, and the next verse tells us why. Don't give the devil a foothold. Now, let me tell you how the devil works. He is an evil, wicked, 
opportunistic devil. And he knows if we're angry longer than 24 hours, he has an opportunity to step into your house, your heart, your soul, your marriage, your life, and wreak havoc. He says, if you go to sleep on your anger and you let it stay and you don't deal with it, you're giving the devil, the King James Bible says, don't give place to the devil. That word place is from the Greek word topos. We get from it topography. It means land, real estate, square footage. Don't give the enemy land in your life by staying angry longer than 24 hours. That's what it's saying. Kind of works like this. One day you go home and you're angry. You walk in the door and you're angry. You're carrying a chip on your shoulder. Sometimes it's a two by four. Just waiting for somebody to knock it off. And who's the first one to greet you but your wife? Your wife says something you don't like and soon heated words are being shot back and forth. It may be over silly stuff, but have you ever noticed that in an argument, whatever started the argument is not what ends the argument. The argument becomes about other things other than what you started with. Am I talking real here today? You start out arguing about one thing and before you know it, it's blown into something that is totally disattached from what it started over. And even though it's silly stuff, it's not about the silly stuff. Once you get into it, you're determined to get your way. She's determined to get her way. Nobody is going to end it on their own. So the argument escalates and it continues. It goes on and the sun goes down and nighttime comes. And once you're in bed, she faces that way and you face this way. And you make very sure that neither one of you touch. You both drift into a fitful sleep, usually accompanied by some very bad dreams. The Bible says that what you've done when you do that is you've opened up a dangerous door without even realizing it. Without even realizing it, you have opened the door to the devil and said, come right in, Mr. Devil. Wreak some havoc on my household. Here's the welcome mat. Because let me tell you what the Bible says happens if you go to bed this way. In Ephesians 4, verse 31, Paul tells us the pattern. He says, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking fall into the situation like dominoes. The first is bitterness. You begin to think about all the bad things that have been said and done between the two of you. When you get bitter, you get historical. And when you get historical, you get hysterical. You reach into the file cabinet and you come out. Well, in 1982, on Tuesday morning, you said this, did that, blah, 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 blah. And I've never forgotten. And she reaches in and says, well, in 1979, when I was thinking about marrying you. And off it goes. And I should have paid attention to all the flags. Well, I didn't know there was flags. Well, there were flags before you know it. You've gone way, way, way back into history. And now you're throwing things and punches holes in the wall. The cat's under the couch. The dog's under the bed. The kids are in the bedroom. And now you begin to brawl, B-R-A-W-L. The Bible uses this word. It means shouting loudly with slander and insults. And you know what? Once it goes into shouting loudly, 
with slander and insults, it's all downhill from there. Nothing is solved and things are often worse. You don't even remember what you started arguing about. I'm going to get this CD whether or not you do. (laughs) I'm going to get this CD and hand it out. Because I know this is a giant that wreaks havoc in Christian households all over America. I know it is. So whether you're dealing with powder keg anger or crockpot anger, it needs to be disarmed. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, Pastor Jeff, I cannot not lose my temper. I was born this way. I've always been angry. I've always fallen off the head. It's the way I express myself. And so I, I cannot... Get control of it. Yes, you can. You say, no, I can't. Yes, you can. I can prove it. Do you remember the, one of those times you were arguing and the phone rang? You were in the middle of a red-hot argument and the phone rang. And you walked over and said, hello? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes, brother. Oh, we'll be at church this weekend. Well, you too. Kumbaya. Hallelujah. I'll pray for you. Amen. Now, where were we? Come on, church. <clears throat> you, you can control your anger when you want to. Amen? You can do it. Now, the Bible gives us simple keys. Let me give you some simple keys quickly to disarming the giant of anger. You want to know what they are? Okay? Because God doesn't want you and me angry. The first one, we've already said it. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I shared a wedding one time with with a much older pastor who was retired, and his marriage had lasted well over 50 years. And I said to him, to what do you attribute the longevity of your marriage? He said, I can tell you right now, when we got married, the man who married us looked at us and said, never go to bed mad. I said, that's it? He said, that's it. He said, because there was a lot of times we could have gone to bed mad. But we remember what he said, and he said it in the wedding vows. So we made up our minds. We will never go to bed mad. We will work it out before the sun sets. We will not give anger between each other more than 24 hours. And he said, we've lived that way. And he said, if you really want to know, I would have to say that's one of the reasons our marriage has lasted. See, if you don't do that, isolation comes. The man goes off into his man cave. The woman goes about her business. You start living two separate lives under the same roof. Distance grows greater and greater and greater. Until finally you wake up and say, who's that? And they say, who's that? And you're strangers to each other. You think this doesn't happen in Christian homes? It does all the time. And the isolation continues until finally you say, I'm done. You're really not done. You just did not handle the conflicts biblically. Well, Pastor, you're up there. You, you're just preaching away like you're perfect. Oh, no. Listen, Kathy and I, I, I was the best at, at um, getting historical. Nobody could get historical like me. And I could remember things from way back where she didn't even remember we were alive. And I would, in, in a disagreement, we would, I would pull them out and I would hit her with them. I was an angry man in some ways, not always, but in some ways. And our marriage got in real trouble. 
And we realize this getting historical is going to destroy us because we got good at it. She learned from me, and she started reaching into the file cabinet marked yesterday. And when I hit her with 1982, she hit me with 1978. And we got real good at it until we realized, hey, it's not about winning or losing an argument. It's about walking in peace. So you know what we did? We made out a list of all the offenses we had between each other. Hers was this long. Mine was this long. She had... Because she's so pure. Kathy was raised in church. She never went off into sin. I had to search to find something wrong. But with me, it was this long list. And we took this list. And you know what we did? We burned them. Watch this now. We burned the list. We took the list. All the things that you've done to offend me, all the things you've done to offend me, all the things we keep bringing up, we burned it. I don't, rec- I don't uh, suggest you do this at home. Go to a park somewhere where you can't hit walls and that kind of thing, where people are around, and go through the list. I said, Kathy, are you sure this is all? And inside I'm praying, please let it be all. It was all. We went out and we burned it. And you know what that did? It said, the blood has covered it. This has burned it. We can never bring up the offenses again. You can't do it. And so there's been a few times we started to slip back into it, but immediately we catch it and go, wait a minute, that's historical. It's burned. We must leave it alone. And what it does, it defuses. You have nothing to argue about. Y'all are so quiet. You must need to go make a list of your own. (laughs) Try it. It'll help you. Because things build up in Christians' hearts just like anybody else. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Be kind and compassionate to one another. All that means is this. You don't have to feel it to do it. American philosophy tells us, well, if I don't feel it, I can't fake it. Yes, you can. You can fake it till you make it. You can say, I forgive you and I love you and I'm... And I'm and I, and I can say kind things to somebody even though they're not doing something to make me want to be kind. Agape love means you put on love and you love the unlovable, which is what God did. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, God did that. When did he do that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God loved us when we were not loving him back. If you're going to be kind to somebody, they don't have to be being kind to you. They can be kind no matter what you're doing. And you can be kind no matter what they're doing. The Bible says, put on Jesus. I want you to say something with me. Say, get dressed in Jesus. Now, watch this. Many Christians live their whole lives and never understand what I'm telling you today. That you are to put on Jesus like you get dressed in the morning. Let me ask you a question. When you get dressed on a Monday morning, does it matter how you feel? It's Monday morning. The alarm goes off. Instead of saying, good morning, Lord, you're going, good Lord, it's morning. (laughs) And you don't feel like going out on a Monday. 
But you get dressed anyway, no matter how you feel. Listen carefully. We get dressed in Jesus no matter how we feel. You get dressed. You put on Jesus. Every Christian ought to get dressed twice every day. Put on your normal clothes, please do. And then put on Jesus before you walk out that door. That means love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. You put it on. So when somebody pulls in front of you in rush hour traffic, and they go 20 miles an hour slower, and there's a huge gap between you and them and the next car, and everything in you wants to go Texan on them, you put on Jesus. And you say to yourself, you say within yourself, I put on Jesus. I get dressed right now. By faith, I put on Jesus. God's in charge. He must want me to exercise patience. I'm going to trust him. And so Lord bless this slow person in front of me, in front of me that has something wrong with them. <laughs> bless them. And you can put on Jesus. Put it on. Rather, says Romans 13, 14, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So put on Jesus, get dressed. You can do it anytime, anywhere. Put on Jesus. Last, he says, forgive each other. Just as God in Christ forgave you. What did God in Christ forgive you? When Jesus hung on that cross, bleeding and dying, disfigured from his beating, what did God forgive you? He forgave you of trillions of dollars of sin debt. If he forgave us of trillions of dollars of sin debt, then he says, as God in Christ forgave you, you forgive others. And it starts at home. You forgive others. Because they may have hurt you to the tune of millions, We hurt God to the tune of trillions. That's the message of the Bible. So as God in Christ forgave you, you put on Jesus, get dressed in Jesus, and forgive others. Forgive your spouse, forgive your kids. If you will do those things, it takes care of crockpot anger. Because you can't let crockpot anger happen. If you do these simple things, don't let the sun set on your wrath. Be kind and forgive. Now, I want to close with this. If you have the powder keg anger and you explode and you go off into a rage, you have a problem. But here's the good news. You can be healed of that problem. Last night, a man after the service came and fell on my shoulder and was weeping on my shoulder. Older man, weeping on my shoulder. And I said, what is it? And he said, so much in my life has been ruined from my rage. But this message spoke to me. And he said, I believe God's going to heal me of this problem. Now, here's what you got to do. You go to God and you say, Lord, I have a sin in my life. It is this rage. It must stop because it's not your will. 
I'm asking you to help me to erase this habit I've learned and replace it with biblical response to adversity. And God will step in and God will begin to help. The Holy Spirit will start checking you. Right when you start to lose that temper and go into a rage, he'll start checking you and say, you remember that prayer? I'm here. I'm here to help you and, and to stop. You don't have to fly off the handle right now. You can be cool and calm and collected and not lose it. I've seen many people healed, delivered of this kind of anger. Can we stand together? And I want to just pray with you for a minute. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord and, and bow for a moment of prayer? Jesus, the great surgeon, is here today. I know I've dealt with something sensitive. I know I have. I know that this word has meddled and messed with your stuff. I got to tell you, he's messed with my stuff before I messed with your stuff. And God wants to help you to not have an angry home, an angry marriage, an angry soul. He wants you to be a man or a woman of peace. So with your hands raised, can you just say with me, Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. That I could be taken into heaven, but also that I could be set free on this earth from habits of the flesh. I give you my anger. Lord, help me to replace that habit with a holy habit of being kind, forgiving, not holding grudges because you forgave me. Now, as Carlito plays lightly, I want you, dear friend, if you've got an anger issue, I want you to take it to the Lord right now, right where you're standing, and say, Lord, I bring it to you. And I'm asking you for help. Take a minute while Carlito leads us.